Welcome to CII Podcasts. Welcome everybody to CII UNDP Podcast. This is on India's such T20 presidency, uh, India's border diplomatic victory. Uh, it was seen as a remarkable achievement because the country managed to, uh, you know, achieve consensus on the leader's declaration. There were many key takeaways from the field of um, digitization to uh, SDGs to reform in multilateral banks, cryptos and so many other areas. But there were also questions as to how binding are these outcomes, how important are these outcomes and what do they mean for the poorest of poor living in different countries of the world. To break it down for us, we have Mr. Karan Raj Chaudhary with us. He is an advisor uh, at UNDP Strategic Initiatives. Thank you, Karan, for speaking to us. Um, let me straight away get into the first question. Um, how difficult was, uh, you know, getting this consensus and how, what, what remarkable achievement is this? Uh, tell us the extent of this, uh, you know, uh, victory. Um, how difficult is it? Because you're currently the geopolitical situation is not great. You know, we have a conflict going on in the world. But then even in the run, run up to the G20 presidency, we kept hearing about how difficult it is to get a consensus uh, agreement. So how do you view this um, um, declaration? Thanks, uh, thanks, Vasudha, um, and and thank you for having me on the pod. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to to be here. Um, you know, a colleague of mine um, who's also been with with UNDP for many years, he sort of describes the G20 as the policy Olympics, right? So one where you instead of strengthening the the sporting and physical infrastructure in the country, we're really sort of strengthening the policy infrastructure. And if I look at the G20 summit as the policy Olympics, then India takes gold, right? That is uh, essentially like the, the sort of headliner because it has been an enormous success at a time of such geopolitical fragmentation. Um, it sort of demonstrates the carefully cultivated relationships uh, that India has been working on. Um, and the declaration has been arrived at, you know, after weeks and months of, of intense negotiations um, in both the Sherpa tracks and the finance tracks. And as UNDP, you know, we've been supporting uh, five working groups of the G20 presidency in a formal capacity as a, um, you know, as a knowledge partner. Uh, and of course, you know, that also involves having a seat at the, at the table. Um, and what we've really seen is, you know, that of course the credit is due to the leaders and to the Sherpa um, but also in large part to the chairs of the working groups um, and the various line ministries. Because what we've seen is over the last couple of months, a host of uh, outcome documents and chair summaries that have emerged. But when you really look at them, the only paragraphs that were footnoted or bracketed, if you will, were the paragraphs on the geopolitical uh, sort of issues, right? But in terms of the technical text, in terms of the substantive work of the G20, a lot of that was already green and in the clear as it sort of went to the G20 Secretariat and the Sherpa. And what that really allowed for Vasudha was that it gave the Secretariat, the Sherpa, the you know the incredible Foreign Service officers, including you know Nagraj, Ambassador Nagraj Naidu, Inam Gambhir, and others, a fair bit of time to actually work and navigate on the geopolitical. Because of course the sticking issue was the the war and the conflict in Ukraine, right? And it almost looked impossible that 
the West would agree to language that was perhaps different to, if not stronger than, what came out of the Bali summit um, a little less than a year ago. Um, and India was very well positioned to sort of navigate and create a big breakthrough, given that there are strong relationships with uh, both Moscow as well as the West. Um, so ultimately, it really has been a, a sort of triumph of, of diplomacy in that sense. Right. So, Karan, also, uh, you know, when it comes to sustainable development goals, I think all countries unanimously agree that you know, many nations have fallen back on achieving their targets. We have had COVID, we've had the fuel crisis, we've had the we've had inflation and different problems across countries. So, uh, how do you see the outcomes of India's G20 presidency with respect to SDGs and how do you think developed countries uh, will be able to take the lead in, in accelerating it? So, Vasla, you know, right from the start, as the presidency was sort of shaping its agenda in early 2022, the way and the approach that was taken was 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 very inclusive, right? So there were consultations, you know, on on all sides with with various sort of stakeholders, including international organizations like ours, but a lot of you know industry associations, including CII, and a number of of uh, sort of think tanks as well. The presidency did, you know, hosted the Voices of the Global South Summit, um, uh, you know, to really bring forward the issues and the priorities that matter, not just to India, but also to, to, to the Global South. And so what we've really seen emerge in the context of sustainable development, to come to your question, is, you know, 112, I think, outcome and presidency documents that have been annexed to the declaration. We have 83 paragraphs of agreed text, and these span a, a number of areas, right? So they look at strong, inclusive, balanced, inclusive growth. We have, uh, you know, a strong sort of focus on accelerating progress on the sustainable development goals, including women-led development. Um, we have the Green Development Pact. There is, you know, great outcomes on digital public infrastructure, as well as, you know, multilateral institutions and how do you prepare and equip them for the 21st century. And of course, there's also been the incorporation of the African Union as a permanent member of, of, of the G20. So there have been a, a lot of great outcomes across the board that focus on SDGs, that focus on climate, that address the key issues around financing and also make the G20 uh, more representative and inclusive in the process. Right. Can you tell us, uh, when you talk about women-led development, I know there's a working group now called Empower, so that is seen as a significant milestone. But when it comes to India's presidency, what are the biggest takeaways when it comes to gender So, you know, the presidency was very clear uh, from the start that women-led development or women's economic empowerment would be a really important um, agenda point for the presidency. And, of course, when we talk about, you know, the vision of women-led development, it really requires and refers to the spaces and the mechanisms to bring in women's voices that influence policies which directly impact their access and control over critical resources, over land, over digital assets, over finance. And all of that, of course, complemented by, you know, how do you strengthen public care systems um, and so on as well? And how do you make those right investments? Um, so the Indian presidency really goes perhaps or takes a fresh approach to the uh, 25 by 25 Brisbane commitment that was made a number of years ago, which sort of looked at 
how do you achieve 25% uh, uh, participation of women in the labor force by 2025? So it strives, the declaration really strives to get us to a place where women aren't just beneficiaries of, of development, but are really setting the agenda as leaders and as equal participants in that process. And so there are maybe, if I just take a, an extra 30 seconds, there are a few distinct areas that we, the declaration and the presidency looks at. One is the focus on enhancing economic and social empowerment, which includes access to education, to employment opportunities, but also importantly so to social protection and affordable care infrastructure. There is a focus on bridging the gender divide uh, in the context of digital. So how do you promote inclusive regulatory frameworks? How do you encourage women's participation in the development of these frameworks? And how do you develop as countries, both developed and developing? How do you actually move towards creating inclusive digital economies? And there's also an area, you know, because we often talk about it, that the, the impact of climate change is, is disproportionately on women as well. So it also calls for the leadership of women as those who are perhaps most impacted in the development of strategies around mitigation, around adaptation and other environmental issues. Um, and of course, as you also mentioned, the, the, one of the outcomes was also the G20 sort of working group on women's economic empowerment. And again, something that has been agreed with Brazil and that they will convene their first meeting under the Brazilian presidency. So there's also a lot of opportunity there to distill further on these principles and really make them perhaps more action-oriented under the next presidencies. Right. Uh, so Karan, I was watching one of your earlier videos and you know, you had basically talked about COVID and you said that, you know, there is a certain certain sense of commitment when it comes to promoting diagnostic tools, manufacturing or vaccines that the same sense of importance and urgency needs to be given to firms working, organizations working in the field of climate change because you wanted to talk about uh, the urgency of the situation. Do you think that India's G20 presidency actually showcased the importance and the intensity of the problem that um, climate change uh, has on us, you know, because in the recent months we've also seen unprecedented uh, climate-related uh, disasters in the in the country as well. So, do you think that India's G20 presidency has been able to fulfill, at least, you know, create some sort of discussions on that? No, absolutely. The, you know, there is a clear recognition that the planet is far off from meeting its its climate objectives and its climate goals, and. Given the nature of the SDGs, which are so interdependent, um, if we do not meet our climate goals, it also undermines efforts to tackle poverty, to tackle hunger, to tackle health, um, access to clean energy and water, and many other aspects of, of sustainable development. So one of the things that the presidency has done is, you know, to place an enormous importance on the climate agenda. And this has been interspersed not just in the environment and climate sustainability working group, but also, you know, the energy transition working group, the disaster risk reduction working group, which was also really created under the Indian presidency, uh, but also in the finance track, right? So when we look at the outcomes of the G20 presidency and the declaration, it sort of very importantly reaffirms the efforts to maintain uh, the increase in climate change to 1.5 degrees. Um, and we've seen the emergence of you know, a number of important other outcomes as well. You know, the G20 high-level principles on 
sustainable development, on, on lifestyles for sustainable development. We've seen the voluntary principles on hydrogen, um, you know, the action plan to, to double energy efficiency by 2030, the launch of the, the Global Biofuels Alliance with Brazil and the US, uh, also the Chennai principles for blue economy, which, you know, which is really on how do we use coastal and marine resources more efficiently and more effectively, given that also an important area for the G20, given that 45% of global coastlines are with G20 member states. And this was also an aspect that UNDP was closely involved in, in, in sort of supporting. But, you know, as they talk about climate, what was really important was that they didn't disconnect it from the discussion on financing. Um, and so we've also had the Sustainable Finance Working Group, of which UNDP serves as the Secretariat, you know, making recommendations uh, to support adequate and timely provision around the mobilization of climate finance as well. So I think all of this really ties in very much also to the role that India has been trying to play um, uh, domestically and trying to take that sort of discourse and put it center stage uh, as part of the G20. Right. So then one, another thing that the finance track kept talking about, the finance minister also talked about is about it was the reform that this G20 presidency has brought, at least initiated in the multilateral development, uh, the impact banks and also the institutions. Now, uh, we know that India has been uh, fighting for the developing countries. How does uh, this feature in that fight and what is what, what, why was this move necessary? So, first of all, you know, financing is, as we, as we discussed, is at the heart of every discussion on SDGs on climate. We've, as a result of the pandemic, we've seen the financing gap for the SDGs broadened to 3.9 trillion a year for developing economies, a number that is, you know, impossible to sort of fathom. But at the same time, for for all those of us who sort of been, you know, in these spaces and in these conversations for a number of years, we keep, you know, we always hear that, oh, availability of money is not the problem. There isn't money in the financial system. You know, we will hear a, a massive number of, uh, you know, let's say 100 trillion that is available and we need to move 2% of it to the SDGs or to climate. But, and the focus has always been on how do you get the money to go where it needs to go, to those most in need, to tackle problems around poverty, on sustainable cities, on education, on healthcare, on climate. And the multilateral development banks play an incredibly important role, right? They have the potential to, to leverage their balance sheets to de-risk and catalyze the flow of private capital. We've seen conversations where, you know, folks have said that, you know, the multilateral development banks shouldn't maybe even give out loans. They should just focus on guarantees. They should just focus on catalyzing more resources uh, towards a certain area. So the G20 presidency sort of key focus, you know, as the finance minister and others have mentioned is, has been on how do you make these institutions fit for purpose in the 21st century? Um, and some of the things that they've done is, and I think perhaps the most important thing that they've done is really bring a spotlight to this issue and a spotlight not in the form of one event where we talk about it, but where we talk about it consistently over the course of a year right, right? Um, we've seen the G20 endorse the MDB capital adequacy uh, framework roadmap which will potentially yield like 200 billion dollars in additional lending over the next decade yes that has been that is great progress but Certainly, it's not enough. We've seen work of the G20 independent group led by Larry Summers and N.K. Singh, um, which 
all you know called the triple agenda which also calls for more aggressive action in attracting private capital flows and we've also seen in a, a sort of a recognition of the efforts of of the UN secretary general in terms of the SDG stimulus and all these conversations focus on on multilateral reform so i think what perhaps needs to happen now is now that we've continued to talk about this for a year and we know that and the way the agenda of the presidency has been set has been fairly inclusive and we and given the importance of this also to the global south we expect that this will continue to be a subject of discussion and conversation uh, and deliberation not just in in the under the brazilian presidency but also um you know possibly in the g7 and possibly um in the in the boardrooms of of the world bank and the imf as well So then when I was at the G20 when you covering the event one thing that struck me was this entire focus on TPI and PPI right because there were also experiential results where foreign delegates could experience uh, you know how Indian uh, UPI works so um, tell us how how do you view India's uh, push uh, to this uh, safe deployment of of uh, UPI digital payment systems and also India has also been talking about responsible use of AI we also saw that in the case of cryptos Now this is important for humanity. Uh, you know, how do you uh, see India taking uh, the lead uh, in this particular? No, absolutely. You know, digital public infrastructure has been one of the one of the key outcomes of the Indian presidency. But if I just take a step back from that overall, in terms of digital tools, artificial intelligence platforms, they have an incredibly important role to empower people and empower citizens by providing. widespread access to information and to global connections at where they are available citizens can use technology to hold governments accountable to access government services and for governments it's also a way to make them more transparent and hopefully more inclusive in the process right UNDP has done a, a a fair bit of work on this and we continue to support member states and governments with uh you know recommendations on on transitions to digital platforms that fully integrate human rights and and gender equality and one of those sort of avenues and coming back to to the question is through the governance of digital public infrastructure and what we've seen emerge as a result of the presidency has been this ground be groundbreaking consensus on how do you effectively shape the future of dpi as an accelerator of the sustainable development We've seen a description of DPI that has been collectively adopted by G20 members. We've seen a set of high-level principles that has been endorsed that among other things looks at the governance of DPI for the public benefit but also in the context of of trust and transparency. And one of the initiatives that the the presidency also put forward that the declaration takes note of is the One Future Alliance which is meant to be Uh, an effort to synergize global efforts on the DPI ecosystem and to support the implementation of DPI in low and middle income countries but particularly with a with a keen eye on making sure that the safeguards and the guardrails around DPI are also incorporated so i think DPI overall has been you know has seen tremendous sort of progress and an appreciation uh, and we've also seen a number of bilateral of course agreements that the government of india has signed on the sidelines of g20 to support other countries with dpi right 
So, Karan, my last question to you: As we get, I mean, we've already passed on the charge to Brazil now. So, what would be your biggest takeaways from India's G20 presidency, and most importantly, the learnings, and also, what do you think are the areas that would need more attention? Um, so, I, I would say that this G20 presidency has seen um, incredibly strong, I would say, perhaps unprecedented levels of strong political leadership and ownership. Not just, you know, the 200 meetings in in 60 cities, which has really helped democratize and make it a people's G20, but also the the work that the missions in India have done abroad, um, the events that have been held, the awareness that has been raised, um, all of that has been quite unprecedented. But a takeaway, and therefore, has also been around inclusivity. That how do you take, you know, how do you incorporate the voice of the global south? How do you set an agenda that is ambitious, but also at the same time achievable? So, in the context of the of the Brazilian presidency specifically, of course, you know the working group on women's economic empowerment. Um, there is enormous scope there to take that work forward in the context of of building also on the foundations that the Indian presidency has set on you know gender inclusive climate action on bridging the the gender divide in the context of digital and in other areas there's the work of the disaster uh, risk reduction working group which is also a new working group set up under the indian presidency um how do you build on that further because we've sort of provided the foundations under this presidency but how does that move forward and of course when we also look at the outcomes um that have emerged so in a number of areas uh, the indian presidency has set high level principles you know whether it's on blue economy whether it's lifestyles for sustainable development um even the sdg action plan to some extent how is it that work on that could be furthered how is it that you know we could look at it to distill uh, and galvanize action around those areas and maybe just one point is uh, you know also tying into an earlier question is that focus on mdb reform you know this presidency was never looked It never set its agenda, perhaps as as a one-year presidency, but was very much in the context of you know we have three years of presidencies of the global south. How do we ensure that an agenda is set that will continue, and therefore at the end of those, not just that one year, uh, but also at the end of the the three-year presidencies of, of Brazil and South Africa that follow, uh, do we have strong sort of takeaways that can perhaps move us back on course for the SDGs? Right. Thank you, Karan, for speaking to us. Uh, this was Karan Raj Chaudhary, uh, advisor, strategic initiators at UNDP, talking about India's uh, G20 presidency and the key takeaways. The story of India's G20 presidency, according to him, is is one of setting ambitious but achievable goals. Thank you so much for breaking it down for us. I'm Basunda Venugopal, editor of Politics and TV, and please keep watching this page for more. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to CII podcasts.